Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. I started this podcast to explore how our multiple passions inform our identity. We're often told that we're supposed to have one passion in life and that we're supposed to define ourselves by this one passion. However, most of us actually have multiple interests and have worked at a lot of different jobs. And I was really curious how this actually changed people's ideas of their own identity in the world. I decided to interview people from many different fields to determine how their multiple passions inform their identity. You can learn more about all of the people that I have interviewed on my website, which is wnbpodcast.com. My first interview is with Jason Porath. He's the creator of Rejected Princesses, and he also works as a visual effects artist in Los Angeles. I hope you enjoy our interview. Hello, Jason. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fine and dandy like sugar candy. How are you? Amazing. Thank you for driving all the way home from your job that we are going to talk about. Um... <laughs> I mean, I was just going to stay there all night, but uh, this seemed like a better better like, place to sleep. I was, in fact, going to live there. Um which, yeah, I mean, that brings me to the first point that I thought of, which is the origin of this podcast, is that especially in Los Angeles, we ask each other, what do you do? And I was wondering what you think would be a better question to ask people. Mm, what are you into? What's your jam? Because uh, a lot of people, like, what they do may not, it may just be, like, a day job or something like that. Like, I want to hear about what gets them fired up. Is this, like... So asking what what's their jam, I think, is a better question. I will say that a lot of people will be caught off guard by that question. Yeah. Uh, I've asked that <laughs> a couple times, but I'm just like, you know, asking people what they're into. People don't really ask that real often. So I feel like there's got to be a better way to ask it, like to get at what I, I want to know. But I'm not sure what it is. Maybe like, what are you passionate about or what's like the landscape of your day or? Yeah, I don't know. When you say what people get passionate about, I feel like you're supposed to say like world peace or something <laughs> like very altruistic <laughs> and saying anything else is just going to like sound like a total a-hole thing. Uh... Um, like asking like, what what could you ramble about for hours or like what gets you fired up or something like that? But all of that also sounds super lame, like first date kind of question. So I don't know. That's really funny. So it sounds like maybe by the end of the interview, we'll figure out a way because I do want to ask everyone this of like, what would you prefer being asked? I know when I'm asked that question, I end up just feeling really pretentious and annoying because I, I do enjoy doing several things, but I'm like, okay. How many do I talk about? Does it sound egotistical to talk about all of them? Do I just pick one and run with it? Do I just lob the question back at the other person? Yeah, I don't really have a good answer for it. I I, I basically try and gauge is like, how much do you really want me to talk right now? Like, <laughs> yes. like, like what, what, if you want to have me like ramble at you, like fucking buckle up. Like I will, I will talk your your ears off. But you're like I got. If you're this. just saying this to be polite, and you're being like really gregarious, and you just want like the five second elevator pitch of like, what kind of person are you? Can I use you in my professional endeavors? Then you'll get a different answer. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess it's context specific. And like, right. I guess in light of that, like, I mean, the first thing that you said 
when I asked you how you wanted to be intro was that you're the creator of Rejected Princesses. So I would love for you to tell everyone what that is and how you became the creator of it. Uh, so Rejected Princesses is a uh, illustrated blog turned book series about uh, unsung badass women of history that uh, almost nobody knows about. And if they do, they only know the comfortable parts of their story, whereas I am going to cover all the uncomfortable parts. Uh, I research, illustrate, and write about them. I've been doing it for about five years. Uh, I started doing this after I left. Um, I used to work at DreamWorks Animation for quite some time and then uh, various live action visual effects before that. And I just, uh, at one point after Frozen came out, I got a little sick of, um, I don't know, the all, all the princess movies seemed a little samey. I, I like Frozen, don't get me wrong. Uh, but... Uh, I, there was a, a clickbait article going around about like 12 reasons the frozen girls are bad role models. And I was like, they're not bad role models. I can come up with way worse ideas for princesses. <laughs> uh, You're like, you want bad role models. Let me get exactly, you some bad like, role models. I'll just start like tossing them out. And so like the, the origin of it was like, what would, uh, Disney's, uh, Disney presents, uh, Nabokov's Lolita look like, um, <laughs> which is a really terrible black humor, like one note joke. But a bunch of the other stuff that I'd come up with was just like historical figures that nobody had ever heard of or very few people like Boudicca is well known in the UK, but almost nobody yeah. nowhere else yeah. like uh, uh, Jingam Bande of uh, Angola or Ching Shi, who now is fairly well known uh, in various circles of most successful pirate of all time. But um, uh, at the time, just not many people knew about her. And uh, like those were like the low hanging fruit comparatively, like Wikipedia had entries on them. But I just kept going at it for five years. And two books later, uh, here I am. How how has it been different, like over the last five years running Rejected Princesses? Very different. Uh, you care about it in a lot more like there's no separation between the art and you like with dreamworks if people didn't like shrek 4 i'm like great i didn't really dig it that much either this is a job but with rejection princesses like it's that's all me they're like your artwork sucks i'm like yeah i know (laughs) i want to get better it's like so it was it was a useful learning experience, like for sure. I, I I mean, a I got better at a lot of stuff, but b also you get better at taking criticism. You get better at um being a a person under a magnifying glass, which takes a lot of effort. I, it, it's it's really hard. Um, well, yeah, because yeah. you went on you went on several book tours and all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, the book tours were actually like, the only people who are going to come out to book tours, you at least usually, are people who already like you. So that's right. fine. Uh, it's really just the day-to-day in and out of being on the internet that is rough. I mean, I've, I've gotten hate mail every day for five years or so. I was actually wondering that because I'm like, you aren't a woman on the internet, but you are a man writing about women on the internet. So I was wondering if you then got the woman on the internet effect. Um... So I get a little bit of, like, hate mail from everyone. Uh, from the right, it's it's pretty obvious. Like, I'm a traitor to my gender. Like, who's having sex with your wife while you're writing this? That sort of thing. Um, just easy easy enough to, like, put to the side and, and dismiss. Right. Um, right. 
And it's, it's thankfully not been so voluminous as to overwhelm everything else. I haven't been brigaded, uh, which I, God knows if I was a woman writing this, I, I would have been. And like, yeah, uh, the, the, the privilege of that is certainly never lost on me. Um, so that's the right, the center I, I would characterize as like people uh, like academics who get very like, Oh well, you didn't read this in the original medieval French, so your <laughs> your opinions invalid. Uh, right. They're relatively easily dismissed. They're just like you're correct. I I have limited ability to do this. I'm trying to wear a lot of hats at once. Right. If you're willing to help out, I'd be happy to give you credit. And I have a whole section on my website devoted to corrections. It's like oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I give out uh, certificates saying that so and so is in perpetuity smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a whole section on the website devoted to that. And then the left is is the hardest part because it's like I care about their opinions, but yeah, you don't know who's writing to you. They may be like 14 years old and on Tumblr, which is often the case. And so I've been called every name under the sun of like misogynist, misandrist, cissexist, transmisogynist. Uh, I've been called racist. God knows how many times I've been called uh uh, Zionists and anti-Semitic on the same entry within 30 seconds of one another, which was a trick. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've been wow. called everything. Uh, and that's just the nature of writing about things that like I could just be writing really safe, boring stuff. And certainly there's a lot of people who do that, that uh, achieve great like success. Like, uh, yeah, there's there's a ton of, of internet artists that you see reblogged all the time on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's so relatable. But the the effectively their art is just putting out stuff that's the equivalent of of minions memes, and I'm not interested in doing that. I wish you could see the face I just made because it was a face of disgust and alarm that I had to mask really quickly. Well, here's the thing, like I, I see a lot of this stuff and like it's not necessarily a knock on those artists. You got to make a living. I'm sure that the a lot of them want to be doing more complex stuff, but you got to put food on the table. Right. Good at putting out those stuff that just gets shared over and over. Like, uh, uh, I guess the, the most recent one are those aliens that. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those really drawn of just like. You know, use use SAT words uh, yes. to sort of describe yes. in alien terms, like very basic human stuff that is shared left, right, and center. Cool. Uh, there's nothing that really speaks to me about that, uh, but someone's like hit a nerve, and it's great. It's fine. It's entertaining. Right. I I'm not. A, I'm. If I wanted to do the most commercially viable version of this, it would be the the, the a- actual Disney version. Of <laughs> by the way, my cringe was related to having to drive by that minion that looks over Universal Studios all the time. And it was more cringing in regard to that than cringing in regard to things that are relatable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate I hate the minions. I could go on a 10 minute long rant yeah. about how the minions are the end of western civilization or at least the end of of the animation uh industry i i hate them with a violent fiery passion but I'm I'll, glad I'll that, that. Uh, we have so much in common <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking while you were talking of how much i guess when you were saying about how you kind of internalize or don't internalize some of the criticisms i was thinking about how much of this is part of your identity when you had said that this art is really you like 
do you define yourself, I guess, by your role as the creator and really the only person behind Rejected Princesses? So this is a complicated answer. Um, I I absolutely do in, in so many aspects of my personal life to the point where it's almost crippling. Um, but I have to keep that out of the work itself because the work itself is about the women I'm writing about and certainly not about me. Right. And I don't I don't want it to become about me. And the instant it becomes about me, the whole thing's over. Uh, that's this specific project. There are other projects that I want to do. There's other projects that other people do that it's perfectly fine for to have and appropriate to have it be about that artist's experience. This is not that project. And like to have a random white dude from Kentucky, uh, inserting himself into the lives of, of history's most like fascinating and bold women is just the idea of it is gross. That's a really uh, weird self-insert. I'm with you on that. Right? Uh, so I've tried my level best to keep myself out of it. In fact, many of the people that uh, have read me for some time, like whenever I, I like make an offhanded mention of my like who I am on Tumblr or my actual name or uh, post up a picture of myself, which I've done maybe three times in the entire time I've been running this, um, People will be like, wait, you're a guy? What? <laughs> Kill surprise. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like every single time people like at this point, people kind of know. But there's there's still like still every time people will just wow. be like, I thought you were a woman all this time. Wow. And, and what, the, I mean, how does that then kind of change your internal definition of yourself if this has been such a big part of your life but that is people's reactions to it um i mean i'm i'm honored that people would think i'm i'm i never take offense at it i think it's a it's a fabulous compliment um at the same time like uh the way it affects me as a person is really like okay there's there's processing i want to do and like art i want to make that's more to do with my personal experience than than this. This is definitely about mm. other people's experiences. I am not the perfect messenger for this. Um, I, I don't think that princesses in is financially sustainable in large part because of who I am as an artist, like as a mm. person. Like no gender studies division in their right mind is gonna hire some random white dude to come out and talk to people about feminism. It's just, it would be suicidal of them. Um, it would be suicidal of me to accept it. So right. like that's, that is a major line of revenue that is just completely cut off to me. Right. Uh, and because right. of that, there's, there's other works in the same vein. There's, there's a, a book series called um, good night stories for rebel girls. That's been oh, able to yeah, really, I saw that. Right. They they started after me uh, mm -hmm. and I reached out to them and I'm like, hey, I've got a list of like several thousand women that I'm never going to be able to cover all of them. You live in Venice. I live in, in Glendale. Can like we meet up for tea? They never uh, replied. I reached out to them many times. They never replied. Um, if you if you two women are listening, please reply. <laughs> Jason has lots of stuff for you. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it's more a matter of. Uh, they were really, they hit their marketing real hard. They hit their marketing really well, but in a way that I couldn't. Like their marketing right. was a lot of like, you know, we're two women and we're fed up and we're going to make it. And I, I have to, 
I can't even put my face on it. I barely can put my name on it. That's, so, yeah, that's why I was actually really curious is that like it's different than the narrative of, oh, I'm telling the story of an underrepresented group because I'm part of the underrepresented group. It's like, oh, I'm actually part of a very represented group. Yep. And I'm going to then speak up for an underrepresented group, but I don't want to presume that role. Like, that's why I found it so interesting about how it tied into your identity. I mean, this is a larger, like, more uh, personal conversation, but the, the long and the short of it is uh, I'm half Jew and half Catholic and 100% guilt. Uh, so <laughs> this is me sort of working through that. As as a 100% juice space cadet with a sense of guilt, I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, guilt, what guilt? Oh, God, there it went. Oh, God, distract myself. <laughs> uh so yeah that's 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 the i mean the origin of it may be may have been just like a love of trivia and a love of black humor with the lolita entry but the thing that kept driving it definitely was a sense of guilt and a desire to to do better and, and be a better person uh and five years on i'm like i i I think I've done about as best I can by the material. There's other people that are doing it that are able to do it more financially, sustainably. I just can't do this day in, day out the same way that I started with. Right. And so I've, I'm having to adjust at this point. I was wondering about that, like segueing into like the other things you do and also how this relates really to like commerce and being able to make a living. Because you had mentioned that even though you have all of these readers, that as you correctly identified, you can't really make money off of speaking gigs for things like this or expand in a way that really is more personal, that would bring you more revenue. So I was wondering, was that kind of part of your decision to then take on, you know, I guess what an artist would call a day job? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely was the case for the uh, taking on the day job. I did not have Five years of, of having the internet yell at you every day and having a uh, really inconsistent personal income and like getting uh, into your late 30s, it really does a number on your mental health. Uh, right, right. And so I, I just needed to stop interfacing with it in such a like right up against my face kind of way. Right. Uh, and so having a steadier income, having uh, co-workers like people I can talk to is so I'm not just alone in my kitchen all the time uh, having work that isn't that I just don't care about in the same way um these were all huge hugely important and like I felt bad walking away from it as my full-time gig but I also knew it was just I wasn't doing well enough by the material and there were many other people who were doing it, like the the good night stories for rebel girls I'm sure they're having a fine time I, I like there's other people who are, who are covering the same thing. And so it's not going to be left by the wayside if I walk away and I'm not doing it every day. Well, and it's also valid that you have an attachment to your own work. I think that that's pretty normal for people who are in creative fields that you're attached to what you produce. And so I'm like, that makes sense. And yeah, it's my baby. Yeah. It's like, and what you were saying uh, previously about how, you're like, okay, I'm in my late 30s. I don't have a steady income. I don't have coworkers, like things like that in regards to your mental health. Um, one of the reasons that I really wanted to even start this podcast was that I think that this is 
a thing that I see in a lot of artists. I might just see it in a lot of artists because I want to, because I see it in myself, is that if you're not an artist 24-7 living and breathing your art and not doing anything else, then somehow you are mysteriously not a real artist. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe that's a fallacy. Uh, maybe if you have a day job that actually improves your mental health, you might in fact then be able to create better art because you are in a healthier place and you are taking care of yourself. And that it's strange to me that people are sometimes ashamed to talk about a day job or that they're ashamed to like their day job. I, you know, I'm curious on your take on that. And I want to ask other people on the podcast about that. Like, do you like doing video effects and animation? Yeah. I mean, so my specialization in, in, like computer graphics is uh, what's loosely categorized as effects. Uh, so like fire, smoke, wind, water, the component parts of Captain Planet. It's um, <laughs> the it's it's all highly technical stuff that is sort of the black magic end of the industry of like we can't sculpt it very easily, we can't animate it very easily, we don't know how we're actually going to get this done. Toss it to the effects department, and so it's a new challenge it's very every every shot that i get i don't know how i'm gonna do it it's all you have to know a little bit of how everybody does their job it's very creative it's very collaborative in terms of like you just talk problems over with with other people there's no ego about it um which is great i really i really do enjoy and i miss that part of it and like you get to make stuff that looks really cool like oftentimes the coolest part of these videos or movies or what have you are the parts that my department makes, be it a, a giant dragon breathing a fire hose of water and having it turn into icicles and then break or right. uh, giant fireballs or like a magic tornado or the world coming apart like paper. Like it, it's all like, how'd they do that? Well, we had to figure it out. It was really well, hard. There was this guy named Jason. Right. So that's fun, but ultimately it's you're being a tool in someone else's toolbox. So it's only so Got fulfilling. It. Like it, it definitely fulfills the left part of my brain and a little bit of the right part. But I, I don't. It's not solving the greater questions of like existential angst that I have. Right. Like I'm not having personal breakthroughs by coming up with a really clever way to like come up with a machine gun tracer fire. You know, so it's like it's fulfilling on some levels, but it sounds like it doesn't fulfill necessarily what you were talking about of that you wanted to actually kind of make the world a better place through what you were putting out. Like that seems like a bigger goal of, say, rejected princesses than making a really cool fireball. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of why I left. Yeah. Um, like I knew I was sort of a a bad cog for that particular machine at that point in my life when I left DreamWorks. Like I was, I was getting frustrated enough with the creative output of it. And I was, I was close enough to it and I'd been at it for so long that I was just like, I was just being a bad employee at that point. I was bringing everybody mm -hmm. else down. Um, and I didn't like being that guy. So I decided not to be that guy. Well, and it was good of you to have that awareness that you're like, I'm not really doing a service to other people. I'm not really doing a service to myself. Maybe I should do something else. Exactly. So I left and it was it was good. But 
then it becomes a whole other thing. Like five years down the line, you need to switch up. And that's just sort of how life goes. Do you feel like there's a lot of overlap between the two major things that you've done? I guess in the last, well, if that was five years and then five years prior. So I guess like in the last 10 years, do you feel like there's been overlap of the two or have they pretty much fulfilled different things? Um, there's been very little overlap, I'd say. Like, uh, the, cause my experience of, of being in computer graphics has mostly been kind of a lot of teamwork, a lot of, uh, cleverness, a lot of problem solving, um, that leans more, far more heavily on the left brain than the right brain. Um, the my experience of being on princess is everything's on me there's no team it there's no specific answer for how things get done i have to make all the decisions um it's very personal right it's it's all the things that that working for someone else in in the computer graphics trenches wasn't what would you say? Because it sounds like both of those kind of have their strengths and weaknesses. And I'm just curious, like, what was your favorite part of both of them? I mean, my favorite part of the uh, computer graphics stuff is just um, being part of a team, like feeling like like you really like contributed and like you're you're feeling like kind of top of the world like dreamworks at that point our our division was was sort of leaders in the field like right. five years later now i'm coming back and like i'm seeing how the the technology has evolved and i don't feel like very far behind because it's just now catching up to where we were like five years ago with a wow. lot of, of the tools that we had for like destruction or whatnot a lot of the tools that i wrote I'm like, oh, well, they changed up how they did it and what it's called and whatever. But I understand what's going on underneath the hood. Uh, and like, that's really cool that we kind of pioneered that or like that workflow. Um, that's really cool that you got to be a part of that and that you got to see like, oh, wow, that that is actually something that you got to be a pioneer of. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um so uh, just the the camaraderie of it and uh, the larger purpose and and just the there's a certain lack of anxiety about it. It's like you know where your next paycheck is coming from. There's there's a steadiness to it. It just is is a a regular regular thing. Um, but it's not ultimately so super personally fulfilling. And that was mm. the best part of doing the princess stuff is that you'd have people write to you and say that they were having a hard time and your work helped get them through it. Um, that it, it, it really meant to be a lot to people on a very personal level. Like I'd autograph books for people and they, they'd tell me like little stories about their family and like as, as background to why they're asking for a specific sketch or, or, or whatever. And that's, that's meaningful in a way that I don't think a DreamWorks movie would ever be. I don't think wow. any movie that I'd ever work on could possibly be as meaningful as that. Well, and in a way, it sounds like because the work was so personal to you, like then you were able to make that personal connection with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was always a little weird because there's like a weird power dynamic there of like whatever sitting across the table from each other at a, uh, a comic con or something like that. <laughs> like, there's definitely a weird power dynamic there, but yeah. 
Well, yeah, I think when you create something that is personally powerful for you and that lands with someone else, despite the power dynamic, that is a really beautiful kind of connection. Yeah, it's great. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 great. Like I'll, I'll give you a a a short anecdote to sort of uh, like send this home. So, um like I speak Japanese fairly fluently and part of the reason that I do so is that I was in my teens super obsessed with this uh Japanese comic uh that I learned Japanese to translate. Um, wow. I, I found out that it was going to get made into a movie. I like in in the nineties, I found out that it had been an option to be made into a movie. And it was like my dream project. Like a lot of people were like, I'll drop everything to go work on uh, star Wars or Lord of the Rings or whatever. I'm like, no, this obscure manga is, You're like, my, this is my star Wars, my, my star Wars. Like I ended up befriending the dude who wrote it, the, the Japanese dude who wrote it, And I ran his, uh, English language web forum for a while. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'd translate questions to him and translate the answers back to people. It was, it was a whole thing. Um, the, Day after the 2016 election, I was contacted by my friend who was working at Weta saying, hey, they're going forward with this movie. Do you want to come over here and work on it? Uh, we will pay you a lot of money. Uh, and it's your dream project that you've been working, that you've been wanting to do forever. Uh, and I was not having a great time that morning because of the election results. Yes. Um, yes. I was going to say having that come like right after. There's the, a reason wow. that he there's a reason that he reached out directly after the, uh, yeah. the election. Yeah. Um, but I'd also woken up to a lot of people uh, sending me emails really throughout the night, like all throughout the night, people who just had not slept a wink saying that the only way that they were able to fall asleep is by reading my book. And I knew wow. I couldn't, I couldn't leave, you know? And Aww, so Jason, uh, I just walled up with tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, wow. the movie, the movie came out and I, I enjoyed it anyway. It's this uh, Alita battle angel. It, it came out like a couple months ago. Oh my so. gosh. That movie totally got recommended to me. And you know, I'm glad that it got made, but that sounds like you were doing the important work that you were supposed to do. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. I mean, I guess that that really that kind of ties back to what we were talking about of like self-definition where it's like that sounds like it actually is pretty integral to who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's integral to my uh, identity in, in so many ways. Like I said, it's it's both great and like how I lead with like explaining who I am. But at the same time. It's it's also like this is something you should know about me because I may act super weird around people or like sometimes I get really in my head about things because I've had the Internet yelling at me for five years. Right. Uh, right. Like it, it becomes hard to date. Uh, that sort of thing. Like you. I, I I sort of think about it as like, uh, what if one of the, the dudes from 300 went to go live on on uh, Wonder Woman's Island, Themyscira? Uh <laughs> And like they didn't let him in, but like they just let him like sit on the shores, and he just sort of like overheard all of their stories and wrote them all down. Like, and then he left. And he's like, okay, I have no idea where the fuck I fit in the world. Yeah. Oh, you got to basically hang out on like a dinghy on the on, on the, the shore. Beach. Yeah. Right. 
Oh my goodness. That is, I mean, I guess that ties into like the last two things that I really wanted to ask was like, it's interesting. I was going to ask, why do you think we default to the narrative of one true passion? Uh, But it sounds like in a way, like even though, and I don't know if I'm just getting it wrong from what you said, so feel free to correct me. It sounds like even though VFX and animation, it sounds like it fulfills kind of like a fun part of you. It sounds like something like Rejected Princesses actually like fulfills kind of that like deeper part of you. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, deeper parts got to eat. Right, right. Do you think that's why we default to only having, a, you know, when we do talk at parties, when you said, oh, well, do you want the long answer or the short answer? Do you think that's why we just give the short answer? Do we have to be relatable to people? Do we, you know, why do you think we have to pick just one when we're talking to people? Because you don't know people. Like, you, like I don't want to necessarily like have a mind meld with literally everybody i talk to at a party you know you gotta you gotta ease into that you don't like i'm not gonna start off by just spewing my entire life story at someone that's that's a lot like you have to sort of figure out who someone is and how to interface with them and if like what level of of boundaries you're gonna have with them and then uh starting off by asking like these super deep questions i think some people are going to be very like uh i don't know how to put this um in a a political fashion but i will say that (laughs) a lot of of people in the burning man community have like when i meet them (laughs) sort of express an utter disdain for anything that isn't like a deep discussion of chakras and tantra and all that and i'm just like i don't i like popcorn movies too buddy like it's fine right, i don't have right. to be like this deep well all the freaking time like i have many facets and like it's way easier to start out with the shallow facets of just like can i get along with you on a basic human level great okay do i feel safe with you and you're not like an like a chaotic like tornado through various people's lives right. cool then maybe I'll open up to you. But like starting off, it, it, it's really hard to know what shoe to start off with with people, you know? And so people are inherently a little conservative and little little battle-hardened, most of them. So, yeah. Got it. I was curious because also you said, you know, that even deep soul matters have to have to eat. And I was wondering, especially... In a giant city where we both currently live, do you think any of that has to do with the idea that whatever you're doing that's making money is the thing that defines you? Um, I think in this city, it doesn't so much. I mean, definitely. I mean, how many actors do we all know who are, you know, technically baristas or waiters or what have you, uh, but certainly don't introduce themselves like that. Uh, how many writers, you know, that have a day job that you may not even know what their day job is because they just introduce themselves as writers or comedians or whatever. Um, it really is like what you want people to know about you. Um, I've yet to figure out, I feel it's very contextual, like, um, what I want people to know about me. I, Mm. uh, most of the time, I'll just let other people introduce me because I'm curious to hear how they see me and what they think is important about me. 
Also because it's super weird to be like the fishiest thing in the world is for a random white dude with a beard to come up and be like, hi, I'm a career feminist. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I must admit that that probably would make me just like back away slowly. Yeah, absolutely. There's Um, (laughs) that is the fishiest sentence in the English language. So let other people talk about it and like. I can try and back it up and prove it, but like it really, I need someone to like vouch for me before I start talking about that. Right. You know, right? It's it's a really weird thing. Like uh, dating is is very odd because people will ask, "Well, what do you do for a living?" Uh, and like, oh, "I'm a writer," and like they, they keep poking at it, and I'll just like, "Oh, here's what I write," and I'll just like link them to it and let them look at it themselves, right. as opposed to like... try and describe it. God, because you describe it and people will be like, uh, you're feeding me a line. You're like, literally, I've had people tell me like, that's like, you're just telling me what I want to hear. And that's like BS and like, ha, 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 ha. I'm like, no, that's wow. all actually true. Oh, my God. <laughs> so have you had any positive reactions in the dating sphere when like you have linked people to it and then like cast a smoke bomb and run away and wait for their reaction um has anyone actually reacted positively to it yeah i mean definitely people react positively to it but then you run into the question of like are they seeing me for me as a person and like it just becomes a a, the whole thing yeah i mean i guess that is a factor of like being like a celebrity in really any sense of, oh, are you excited about this because of my persona and what you see publicly? Are you excited because you want to get to know me? Right. Yeah. Right. That's a problem. I can definitely imagine that even though you are sort of like a behind the scenes celebrity for it. I'm like, hi, I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. And also I hadn't thought of, you know, my gut reaction to a white guy coming up to me and telling me he's a feminist, I might as well be like, are you going to play the ukulele and talk to me about polyamory? Are we going to go really like full force on this? (laughs) (laughs) And now here's Wonderwall. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, it's, it's something that like, it's part of the reason I can't do princesses on a daily basis anymore is because I can't represent myself by myself. Right, right. It's not sustainable. Because almost with some people, it seems like some of this shame is more around the day job. But for yours, you're more like, how did I navigate talking about my creative job? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. And I never thought of that. I guess uh, I should probably ask you one last question and then let you actually sleep slash relax slash be a person because you did drive a lot (laughs) in traffic. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what, 930 now? And I'm like, oh, my God, I might get to eat dinner. So I guess the last question that I would ask is what advice you would give to your younger self and or someone who was not you about juggling both of these fields and about being a person who does do multiple things? Um, I will say that I wouldn't try and talk to my younger self, uh, unless it's like, uh, like me from five years ago when I'm first starting this out, uh, talking to my younger self at like anything younger than 25, that would be a total waste of time because, you know, 18 year old me would prevent, would, would commit suicide to prevent 37 year old me from, from be- coming into existence. Um, Dang. Yeah, it's been a journey. Um, 
the telling someone else who's just starting out on a, a creative thing is like a save up a bunch of money just save up a bunch of money and learn to live cheaply b have a support network have people that you can co-work with have people that you can bounce ideas off with like it's really all about the community and that's something i'm still not good at because i'm still so in my head of just like all the people that i try and network with are like queer folk of color and i'm uh, not that and I just feel always super out of place even though they're the people that I like the best so uh, I have total imposter syndrome even after five years of doing this um, I'd say you know make more of a concerted effort on that and network and be friendly and rejoice in other people's successes and and you know don't be afraid that is afraid to peek out from behind the curtain and, and be a person in public right. Um like I've studiously avoided doing that for five years. And I, I think it's ultimately been to my detriment. Um, I mean, the, the reasons are we've already gone into and they're, they're obvious, but uh, I think that I, I, I would have had a been farther along and more stable in my career. If I'd, I'd been more of a, an, a visible person interacting with other visible people and commiserating about that sort of thing. Um, and also that like, this doesn't have to be the end all be all have specific rituals to end your work week, to end your day and go do other things. You don't need to be like burning the candle at both ends and the middle, like go and and have a life. If this is your, your day job, then go do other things at night and have a night job. Or maybe your night job is to like watch Avatar The Last Airbender for the 30th time. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a really serious business job. Oh, it's such a good job, though. Uh, <laughs> like, I guess it's that time again. Yeah, it's I mean, Airbender I'll, time. I'll apply. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's It's not a shame to have a day job and a night job. Just don't let either of them take over your life too much. Have balance. It's the hardest thing in the world. But and like you're going to be prone to working too much and prone to the fear. But like that will get you like like pretty far, pretty fast. But you'll burn out and slow and steady wins the race. I like that. And I, I like that that kind of ties back into the original impetus for this podcast, which was like how to define yourself. And it sounds like actually look outside yourself and form a community and balance your interests and don't be ashamed of your potentially like multiple jobs and embrace who you are to actually make the best stuff. Yep. Pretty much. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on why not both. And I am really excited to see what Jason five years from now looks like. Cause I'm like, huh? Jason from five years previous seemed like a different person than Jason now. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder what future Jason's going to be like. I'm also curious. I'm also not in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have this bizarre sense that inevitably it will probably come at the pacing of five years that we'll meet you in five years. I mean, that would be my guess, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being my first guest. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Why Not Both. If you're interested in learning more about Jason Porath, I have links to all of his work 
for rejected princesses up on my website. That website is wnbpodcast.com. And there you can read all about him, check out more of his work. And of course, please like our podcast and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you can hear all of the episodes this season. Thank you again, and I look forward to chatting with you next time.